Hello, and welcome to episode 118 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today, and I'm going to throw questions to you guys as I introduce you. I want to know if you were a Disney prince or princess, who would you be? So first of all, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And I was hoping you would choose someone else first. Let <laughs> me think about this. If I was going to be a Disney prince. Or princess. You, I'm going with Thor. Yeah. Oh, so we're bringing oh. in Marvel now. Okay. No, I went with Disney. Wait, but there's not a Disney Thor movie. There's a Marvel. Thor's not, Thor's Thor's not a prince. I, I get it. Well, he's, a, he's a king. A he was a prince and he became a king. Right. So, I'll go yeah. with Thor. I, I think under the same rules that Princess Leia is included, then... I, I was think. just going to... You just stole uh, my thunder. And Princess Leia herself, Melissa Kavanaugh is with me. Howdy-ho. And then Phil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys took the hey, good one. Come on. <laughs> what about you the can beast? Be Ariel. You can be... He was a, a prince, right? Sure. Yeah. All right, good. I, I think he was it. more of just a nobleman. Can't tell you the last time I watched a Disney movie. He so. lived in a castle. Does that not make him a prince in the Disney world? Sure. Uh, sure. I don't know. So there you have it. Oh, you didn't say who you are. Yeah, I don't really know. He's Princess Leia. He's mad you took it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would want to be someone from Star Wars and really. Well, you can be. You can. You can count Dooku, but he's a bad guy. If Does Princess Leia is yeah. a prince, princess, princess, her brother. Would be a prince. No, it doesn't work that way. She was adopted. She became a princess through adoption. All right. Yeah, sorry. Now, I guess technically Han Solo would become a prince when they got married. So, yep. there, you go. there you go. So, Melissa and I are officially married. Great. You heard it here first. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Melissa. Just your dreams, your wildest dreams just came true. And by dreams, I mean nightmares. And Melissa, this, this episode, I'm really excited because your episodes are always great. And you did the research for this episode. Well, to be fair, someone else did the research that you're going to regurgitate. I copied and pasted it into a Google Doc, yes. But, but we've also got... It's awesome, though. Excellent other stuff from you today. So we've been talking about this for a while, but with the news of ruse, Pete usually does the the singing, and Melissa did it last time. We've done a duet as well. But we talked about you bringing back the clarinet and doing an accompaniment with Pete. We did. Is, is that a thing? Did it, you practice? It's about it's to happen. Right? No, we have not practiced at all. But she's practiced the notes, hopefully. Yes. Figured yeah. it out. Okay. Well, but she doesn't know what kind of random spin I'm going to put on it. Okay. Well, the good news is that you guys are ready. The yeah. bad news is we have no news or news this week. Womp, womp. womp. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would not do that to the faithful listeners. We do have some news or news. So if you guys are ready, let's kick it off with the jingle. All right. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to play it once, and then Pete's going to join on the second time around. Because oh. it's twice as much fun. Okay. Right? You don't want to do it as a round, and we all start at different times? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> there, there's not enough words. <laughs> all right. All right, so all right, let's hear it. Let's do it. All right, well. With hotel marketing, they cannot lose. Now it's time for news Wow, wow that was awesome. Dude, that is so good. We might My just... life is so complete right now. This, like, that is the pinnacle of this show. Like, we've never done anything it's that It's all cool downhill before. from I yeah. really feel like we, we should just peaked. record that, save it, and then that is what is played before each one. Just because you don't want to have to sing every week. Yes. And we can use it when Pete's not here. 
That's true. Only when you're not here will you use it. Okay. But that is amazing. That is really good. So much talent in this room. It's so much more than hotel marketing. <laughs> if, if only we were as talented at hotel marketing as we were coming up with jingles. That would be amazing. I like to think that we are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm self-deprecating. <laughs> it's okay. okay. All righty. So do we want to see what's going on in the news news since we did the amazing jingle? Sure. Um, we got one from Microsoft Ads, formerly Bing Ads. Uh, they just released their experiments uh, module where... Wait, wait. That sounds familiar. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Uh, they're they're uh, following Google, as they always do. What? Say it isn't so. Yeah, every time Google comes out with something... Microsoft is not far behind. Uh, this one took a little while for them, but really cool. Um, we're now able to do A-B testing for landing pages, ad copy, all that good stuff that we can do in Google Ads, we can now do in Microsoft Ads. So do you think that Microsoft Ads R&D department consists of one person that just clicks on Google every day, and anytime something new comes up, they're just like, yep. We'll do that. Yeah, start building that one. What, what's going to be next? I mean, like Microsoft Hotel Ads or something? They're, they're oh, already rolling it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's funny. I mean, the, the good thing is from a marketer perspective is we've seen great impact from this on the Google platform. You know, being able to use artificial intelligence and, and testing things in a more sophisticated way than we could manually is great. So... I, I'm glad they're doing this. I'm just really, I'm really curious. I want to run the exact same test on both platforms at yeah. the exact same time Ooh. and see if we get the same results. You know, the other thing to think about here is, you know, we're kind of bagging on Microsoft because they're ripping off Google. It's fun. Customers don't know that though. So this is a great move from them. They see something that's working well. It's generating revenue for Google. They're putting it in place. I think that's what they're going to have to do. But they got to step up their game at some point. But what point about in. all those customers that left Google in droves because of the experiment stuff that was on that's, Google? And they went to point. Bing specifically because they didn't want to get experimented on. I mean, they're at DuckDuckGo or <laughs> on the internet at this point. Yeah, I, I say bring back Lycos. That's, they got to. It should be a hashtag. Ask Jeeves. Yeah. But I, I think that the biggest story here is you should be using Bing, right? And and a lot of people that we've come come across when we're doing audits or people reach out to us and want want to learn more about fuel services a lot of times they're on google but they're not on bing and it's it's crazy to me it's 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 a whole nother marketplace where you can diversify your marketing mix and in some cases can actually yield a better roi than google so you should definitely be experimenting with experiments on bing ads or microsoft, microsoft ads. ads yeah we'll give you uh we'll give you updates when we do that when we do that test i would i would bet they're a little different, right? Because the data going in is going to be different. The, we know that demographically they skew a little differently right? right? from a female to male ratio, from an age difference. So you would expect behavior to be a little different. And if it's machine learning that's, that's powering the results, there should, there should probably be some nuance, especially if it's real-time updated tracking, you know, based on behavior. There probably will be some differences. I, I just hope you get the same... The same winning result, but maybe percentage-wise skewed differently. Yeah, maybe that's so. the way. That's the way I hope to see it work. Yeah. Well, we we should it collect a lot of data and do a whole yes. episode on what requires testing. Yeah. Always be testing, indeed. Always be testing. I got one more. Oh yeah. 
Yep. Another newsaroo. So Google recently put out what they call short names, um, and it's within your Google My Business profile. You can claim what they call a short name, and it's really just um, a URL with a quick link to your business profile. Um, they want you to go claim this and you know claim your brand name, but this is probably one of the buggiest rollouts they've ever had. Um, people who have claimed short names have had their listings business listings completely suspended um and they've also lost all of the reviews within their Whoa. within their uh, business oops. profiles yeah, yeah big oops like from an you know i i started out as a developer and i, I look at think problems like this from an engineering perspective like how how does this happen like in my mind there's there's no earthly way that creating a essentially a redirect a shortcut should have any impact on the content or, or whether or not it's disapproved. It's yeah. it's crazy to me that this is happening and that Google, despite coming out and saying they fixed it, it's still having problems. Yeah, there, there are people still reporting it. Um, I think Search Engine Land recently had an article that it, a lot of people are still claiming that they don't have their listings back or don't have their reviews back. It's... So what, what's your official position on it right now? Do you recommend I, people getting their short no, name? Not yeah. yet. I, I definitely recommend claiming them. Sure, yeah. not yet. So wait how are till they used? wait till this is that's that's the thing. Um, we're still trying to figure out what's the real purpose of this. I know what's it's the like value, a, right? it's a quick, easy way to share a URL, especially if you have a really long URL, or maybe your business name is nested within a, another domain. So, you know, maybe you're a big flag property and you have one page for you know a, a bunch of directories to get to your um to get to your actual url you can use a short name send them right to your profile that's just an easier way to reach the exact page yeah and but i think like, the people that jumped on it early were people that are trying to protect their brand somehow they're trying to get like a snazzy short name but like should your short name be it your your, your business, business name, name. It should be your business yeah. name yes. versus what you're trying to. Like, as could be, for. I don't know what the we beginning it. of the, it, but it should be fuel, fuel travel. Yeah, we jumped us. on so that one early. So we shouldn't be hotel marketing. No, I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's allowed. Yeah, yeah, um, and that might be why some people are getting, you know, in trouble. You know, but. potentially. Um, I don't know. I would say just wait until this bug is completely fixed yeah. and then go ahead and claim your short which name. we claimed us and didn't have a problem well, but every we've claimed them for hotels as well and we you know we have not had any of these type of issues but yeah. the fact that they're out there and there's a I'm lot saying, of them it's, i'm saying wait yeah for sure and we'll let you know when we and, stop and other than protecting your your brand there's not really a value proposition to having it right now other than it, it exists right yeah well um we're still trying to figure out how how we would use it, you know, what, what the best, best use case for these are. I mean, it could potentially be, you know, print media, something easier to remember than your long URL. That's but why, my why, But why would you thought. send someone to your Google My Business page from print instead of to your website? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you yeah. use a bit.ly link on your billboard? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or just go get a vanity URL. I don't know. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is a it's a little strange. I haven't seen the the good use case for hotels yet, yeah. but I'm sure we'll find one. You know what's funny? You know, Google does so many things well. You know, especially on the search this side, right? You weird, can huh? you can really not floor floor them at all on the search. They've made a lot of good progress, and you could argue that the fact that there's more ads at the top and they've added more ways to monetize at the top is not necessarily the greatest thing. But but 
really they've done it all in an, in a way that makes sense for them as a business and hasn't really had problems. And in every case, we found ways to maximize return on the investment. And you know, it is what it is. But I feel like with Google My Business, previously Google Local, and all its other names that it's had, they've made so many missteps. You know, even looking at when when they did Google Plus and they try to roll. Google my business into that and, and make it one and the same sort of thing. And it's, they just, they haven't figured that stuff out that well. And it really surprises me. It's really surprising. I mean, the, the Google my business profiles are, they're great and they are definitely essential for your SEO, but oh, for sure. I mean, especially on mobile. I mean, it's, it's such yes. a large chunk of the SERP on mobile. It's, and it's so easy for someone to click to your website, click to call. Yep. I mean, it's, they're, they're yeah. essential. Yeah, so definitely optimize. We did a whole episode, you know, a few months ago on how to optimize your Google My Business page. Go check that out. But yeah, I guess our advice is wait on the short code if you and and we will screw yourself up. We will uh, we'll let you know when we hear that there are no more issues. Yeah, which hopefully will be soon. And again, we, I mean, we haven't had issues. So if you've already went and claimed it, mm-hmm. make sure you go check that you're not suspended. Make sure you have your reviews. If you do, you're good to go. If you don't, you need to contact Google. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into your episode, Melissa. So we got two really cool trend reports that we're going to be kind of reviewing today. One one came from Google, which, Phil, I forgot to ask you. Are we allowed to actually talk about this data publicly? They didn't say no. Okay. So we're, you know, we're a premier partner with Google because we do such good PPC work for a lot of clients. And... With that, we get a rep that helps us, and from time to time, they send us some really cool data. So they send us some benchmark data for some specific areas that we have high concentration of clients, but they also sent some benchmark data across the entire U.S. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we're also going to be talking about, we did an episode, I think it was episode 98 or 99, I think 98, we did um, a look at Revenate's 2018 trends. For, from an in Revenate, for those who don't know, have, is an email platform for the hotel industry. So they kind of do some benchmark trends based on their aggregated data from their their clients. So we're going to be looking at their 2019 data as well. So two two for one is what this episode is. We're looking at two sets of third party data, talking about what the results were and what it means and how you can leverage this information and improve your marketing mix. So there you have it. All right, Melissa. Take it away. All right. So no, I want it all done musically through the clarinet. This uh, is all interpretive today. <laughs> it's interpretive data. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can use your mouth. It's fine. Thanks. You're welcome. Which I guess <laughs> if you were playing the clarinet, you'd be using your mouth anyway. But you can use words. Words? Yeah. Fantastic. I'm Good. sure that our listeners would appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So we're starting off with the Google Trends first. So this is looking at quarter one of 2019 in case you're not listening to this in 2019. This is from 2019. Um, So first of all, we're going to talk about device type trends. And here's what we've got. We've got overall, the number of search queries were down 1% compared to last year. So search volume is down, but just marginally. And this is talking about specifically hotel, resorts, motel, keyword specific trends. But 60% of those searches were done on a mobile phone. Boy, there's a shocker, huh? We mm-hmm. haven't been talking about mobile at all. Yeah, and that lines up with what we see, right? In, in our, a lot of our clients, 60% of their traffic is coming from mobile. At least. At least, yeah. right? So yeah. that lines up. That does. 
And so what we're seeing, or what Google is saying, is that mobile queries are actually up 15% year over year. 15%. Yeah. Click-through rate on a mobile phone increased 3%. It's almost at 10% now on a mobile phone. Ad depth is up 3% to 2.8. So that means, on average, about three ads are shown to you when you do a search query on a mobile device right now. Yeah. So that's up a little bit. But cost per click was even at about 95 cents a click. On mobile. On right. mobile. Yeah. You That's know, one, one thing to kind of add to your, your first stat of 60% of searches on mobile, that's industry average. Look at your specific property. We have one client in particular who only about 17% of their total traffic is on a desktop. Really? Yeah. yeah the rest is it. either mobile or Is it or a low ADR tablet. property? It is. Yeah. But think about that. If you had a segment that was only 16% of your traffic, where should you be focusing your efforts on? And mm -hmm. where should you be looking at your own site from? It's not from a desktop for those people. I mean, you mm -hmm. almost need to not even have your full laptop in front of you. Just live off of your right. mobile device when you're trying to plan and market for those type of clients. Yeah, and especially if you're a lower ADR property. <laughs> you know, th th there's a definite correlation between the... the income level of your consumer in mobile adoption in in the in terms of the less income they have the more likely they are to be using mm -hmm. mobile and it makes sense you know if you look at the data correlating household income and what technology they're using a lot of them would have or more of them have a smartphone than have broadband internet at their house so it makes sense that their device by which they access the internet is a mobile phone I wonder what they're going to start doing with voice searches because that's not mobile. It's not desktop, and we don't see it as a, de a device that's creating searches. Well, it depends, right? So if, if you're doing it through Siri on your phone, that's a mobile phone, and it's going to land on the mobile Sure, website. I guess I was thinking but more But if you're doing a smart speaker in the house, right. like an Echo Show or something like that that has a screen, because if it doesn't have a screen, where is it going? You know, right. it's... It's not even touching the website. It's going to some either app. Rich on, snippet on it, or, yeah, I guess. But. You know, it's reading a response or it's going to a native app of that device. So, yeah, I, I've not really, I have a show in my, an Echo show in my house, but I never use it to navigate to a website. So I don't really know what that experience is like. But, you know, in, a, in our travel study, the leisure travel study that we just published, which you can get, shameless plug, fueltravel.com slash study, we asked about voice and how people are using it. And people just aren't using voice at this point to shop for hotels. They're just not, you know. So I think we've got a couple of years to really worry about that becoming impactful. Uh, right now, your focus needs to be on mobile phones, 100%. The one, the one stat here that Melissa pointed out was that um, ad depth is up, meaning more ads are showing per query and cost per click remain flat so with more competition we did not see the increase in cost per click that we would have anticipated right but is it is it necessarily more competition or is it that google's expanding the number of ads they're displaying more frequently well they, they haven't um they haven't i guess expanded the number of ads on the page and is that what you're saying or are you saying that right right i know like on desktop is four right is was what they, right. it used to be three they took away the rail they added mm -hmm. a fourth but i'm wondering if because they're testing the serp all the time 
and I wonder if they're playing around with how many they display on mobile and if they've made that conscious decision to show more when there's more in the bid auction. I don't it's speculation. I don't I really don't know. It could you could be right. It could be that more people are coming into the marketplace because we know for the longest time there people were not segmenting their ads between desktop and mobile and mm-hmm. they weren't taking advantage of the lower CPC on mobile that does exist. So that gap's closing quickly. It is. But you would expect that to happen as more competition comes in. But you should absolutely segment your, your ad campaigns, and you should absolutely have mobile-specific campaigns. Well, you can also just set bid adjustments for mobile if you realize that you know a lot of your bookings are coming through mobile. You might maybe want to set, set bid adjustments so you're more likely to serve for a mobile device. You're likely to serve in a higher position. Yep. Um, those things are definitely effective as well. Yeah. All right, moving on to desktop. So we have search queries are down 19% on desktop. Down. Which, which that makes sense. That, that check That passes the smell test. I feel like I make fewer searches on, especially for that kind of stuff on a desktop than I do on my phone. But in spite of that being down, click-through rate is actually up 8%. So those that are searching are clicking more. Um, and ad depth is up to 2.4 per search. Per yeah. query. And CPC is up 10% to $1.81. So let's up repeat 10%. that. 10%. Mm-hmm. So $1.81 on desktop versus $0.95 cents on mobile. And 60% of traffic coming in from mobile. Hmm. And let's be clear. This is for the hotel, resort, and motel you know, related queries. This is what it's being pulled for. This isn't an overall, you know, all queries type of thing. This is specific to our. So, our sa- so right. say it again. The CPC for desktop is what? Uh, desktop is a dollar eighty-one. And for mobile is what? Ninety-five cents. That's crazy difference. Yeah. yeah. And and I I believe that a lot of that is based off of people will notice that more people will book. You have a higher conversion rate on desktop than you will on mobile. Um, you're going to spend a lot more money to get, you know, no conversions from a mobile device, essentially. So people will just say, okay, don't, don't. Run so let's talk about here. why that is right. But it's because people have garbage websites on mobile. They have garbage booking, booking engines on mobile. They create friction. If you f- fix that problem, if you solve the problem and make it easy and convenient and frictionless for someone to book on mobile, you can essentially get ads at half the price, yep. and your conversion rate can be as high, if not higher, on mobile. Yeah, you know, we got we got clients now that have. Did you tell me earlier this week, Melissa, that someone hit sixty percent? Yes. Sixty percent of bookings. Yes. On mobile. Yes. Right. So we have a bunch. We talked about this for a while. We have a bunch that have more than fifty percent now. Right. A lot. We now have we're a, up to sixty. Now we have people that literally have sixty percent of their bookings and again lower ADR. But 60% of bookings are coming from mobile phone because we fixed the friction problem. We made it easy for them to book. We made a great mobile responsive website and we have a great mobile responsive booking engine that was built from the ground up to work really, really well on mobile. So if you're using a Synexus or a TravelClick iHotelier product and you're having problems maintaining ROI on mobile, that's the problem. Boot out the old guard and go get a good booking engine get a fuel booking engine get a travel tripper booking engine someone that has figured out what how to how to convert on mobile 
because it, it will save you money in the long run because you'll get a lot more bang for your buck from your advertising spend because you can spend more on mobile. There you have it. We have to talk about tablet because they still exist. So tablet queries are down 8%. Click-through rate is up about 9%. And ad depth is down 3% to 3.2. CPC is up marginally, and that's at about $1.15. So tablet CPC is right smack in the middle of mobile and desktop. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> so our takeaway, or at least my takeaway from this, is we know mobile traffic is continuing to increase. It's well over the majority of traffic. It has the highest click-through rate on ads of the three device types, and it's currently cheaper than the other two device types. So fix your friction problem. Fix your mobile problem. Yeah, and go spend more money on mobile. And the other thing I look at as well is when you look at the number of visits to an average hotel site. It's 60% from a desk, uh, mobile device. You, you have a percentage of people visiting the site from a tablet, and then you have the desktop portion. So it's not just two types of devices that are visiting the hotel website. Your desktop is less relevant than you might think. It's so important that you think about how people are actually engaging with the site and, and focusing on that method. So when we talked about that one client that has 16% or 17% of people visiting the site from a desktop, they don't have, what is that, uh, you know, 84% just from mobile. It's like 68% mobile and then the rest is, is tablet. Yeah. So look at those devices and spend all your time optimizing there. Yeah. You optimize for desktop and, and not at the expense of the other, right? Because the reality is the things you can do to optimize mobile can help desktop too. But the reality is how people use mobile and how they use desktop can be different. There's usually more of a time constraint on mobile device. They have more potential distractions. right? They might be looking at their phone in between picking up their kid from a soccer game or during lunch or whatever it is. So you have to be more efficient with the, how you utilize their time, how you provide the information. You have to give the information in smaller bite-sized chunks in ways like using bullets and icons and stuff that makes it easy for them to scan on a smaller screen and figure out the information they need. So you're just doing a better job of, of communicating your value proposition to them on mobile. But guess what? When you do that on mobile, it also has a positive impact on desktop. So it's not like an either-or thing. This is a what's good for the goose is good for the gander kind of situation. But start with mobile. Start optimizing on mobile and guess what? You're going to optimize everything you're doing and you'll spend less money on advertising, you'll retain more guests and you'll reduce reliance on OTAs. It's and a little aside from from your note there, yeah, people get distracted when they're on mobile devices. That's why things like remarketing lists are so effective. When you, you know, someone clicks through to your website, they're on your website then maybe they have to put their phone down or and then they're going to go back and search again. If you've already captured or cookied that person after they landed on your website, they're part of your remarketing list. You can serve ads back to them if they go back. Say, you know, we, we do this all the time. We have a non-brand um, remarketing list. So anyone who's hit the website and goes back and searches a more broad term, we're willing to remind pay them to, to yeah. come back into my funnel. Exactly. In yeah. email too, and in and SMS and any other way you have to communicate or get in front of them, retarget people like that aggressively. Especially if you know if they're searching for dates close in. And you know that you've got a limited time to get them. Just do a full court press. Hit them on Facebook and Google and email with 
remarketing and value proposition types ads. You don't have to discount. It's about just reminding them that you're here. That's why things like shopping cart abandonment is so impactful, mm-hmm. especially on mobile. It has a tremendous click open rate, tremendous click through rate, and tremendous revenue generation opportunity. So do all those things. All right. Moving on from devices, now we're talking about seasonality, all the things about the calendar. So Google is saying in quarter one, we saw a slight decrease in both the number of queries and impressions versus 2018, but it was still slightly above where we were in 2017. So traffic down from last year, but up from two years ago for the first quarter. Clicks on the other hand were higher than both years with traffic peaking in March. So in my mind, the math says click-through rate is significantly higher than it was last year. CPC is steadily above where it was this time last quarter, um, passing over CPC as it was in March of last year. CPC remained below all three months of 2017. So we're paying more this year, paying less than what we were in 2017. Is what we're is, saying. Is that what you're seeing with our accounts? I haven't looked back at 2017 in a while. Yeah. I'd have to go verify this. Yeah. But I mean, I mean I'm assuming it checks. It sounds about right. Yeah. I feel like in the meetings I've sat in with you, CPC has generally been up. Yeah. In many cases. Well, that's uh, they say they see a, um, a Q, Q1 saw a slight dip in both queries and impressions, but... We're out, we are paying more for the ones that we're getting. Yeah. Yeah. But looking at the the metrics that really matter from an ROAS perspective, I think we've seen really good strides. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think, I, I mean, I, I see what the, the value of, obviously, the CPC is the more you spend. That's very important. But typically, like in client meetings and whatnot, we're so focused on ROAS and actual right. return that, yeah, we're seeing an increase in it is more than it has been in the past, but effectively run, we're seeing the ROAS through the roof as well. Right, yeah, because especially if you're driving more qualified traffic or you're doing a better job of your mousetrap and converting yeah. people that do land, you're right. CPC on its own is not a metric that really matters, you know? So, no, I agree, I agree with you. And it, it's natural, right? It's a, it's a marketplace. Google wants to make more money for their shareholders this year than they did last year. So they're going to drive prices up like that well, that's yeah i mean in their also, prerogative to do it plus competition is going to do it now you you can defend against that a little bit by being more strategic about the, the keywords you're bidding on or, or using experiments to make sure that you're being more efficient on who you're targeting using remarketing lists things like that there are there are ways to kind of figure out how to spend efficiently but but yeah i, I guess people do get too hung up on cost per click as a, a standalone metric and it really doesn't matter at the end of the day as long as you're making money from it. And, and just from an inflation perspective alone, between 2017 and 2019, it was 4.5%. So if you were paying a dollar and then you're paying a dollar four, there is theoretically no change, right? Well, I mean, one of, one of the other stats on this is, you know, ad depth year over year is up. So year over year, there's more competition. You would expect a slight increase in cost per click. Yeah, but yeah, the way the bid auction works, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, moving on to more calendar things. 
Google says that the searches for the entire industry basically consistently have peaked in July over the last several years, which is not surprising to us. No, not at all. I mean, it's it's the summer vacation right. mentality. I mean, that's when a lot of people travel. Kids get out of school. They take vacations. They take more, you know, even weekend trips. We see that everywhere not not even just you know what's funny about it though right is is i felt like people so front load their budget spend to try to get people on the books right and 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 by july is it's you know your peak occupancy like that you're full up especially july july 4th through the end of july is is crazy and then you're kind of on the on the tail end of the the peak so people sometimes start to pull back on their spend, but they still have a ton of opportunity before kids go back to school mm-hmm. to get people. So it, it might not be this. I mean, certainly you want to get as many people on the books early as you can, but some people don't start really searching. Apparently until, that's where most people are later. searching. And you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to be in front of them. Well, we've seen it shift to July, and I would assume we see that you know maybe from early July to mid-July, maybe even end of July, like you said, because we see that the booking window is shrinking down pretty much across the board. People are booking closer to when they stay. So, I, I mean, I anticipate that shifting as people, a lot of people vacation right up until kids go back to school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, possible. But, I mean, for, for our market, it's always July 4th has pretty much been the peak. Yeah. And we've seen that, seen that booking window shift from June to July. So the next set is kind of interesting to me. So Google's looking at the forecast for the next two months. And since we're recording this in, what month is this? July. This is to July through September, basically. And so they forecast, based on the last couple of years of data, that the expected high for queries is actually this very week, the week of July 23rd. But the peak cpc is the week of september 10th i'm trying to figure out why cpc would that be makes so no high sense to me i don't know why that would be hmm i mean basically right after labor day ish why cpc would be so high because people are doing it wrong i don't, I don't know <laughs> come on i mean we have to you, we have to look at you know the biggest competitors in this space nationwide are otas what are they doing yeah. around that time? Is is there um, was this just resort destinations? Does it? It doesn't say. Yeah, it's just if it includes holiday and yeah, no, if it includes winter like ski destinations yes, and things data, like that. This data is one hundred percent nationwide okay. hotels, resorts, and motels. So that could that could be like the the nexus of oh. where ski destinations and, and hotel winter. destinations yeah. kind of meet. I don't yeah, know. that could be like uh, all when, destinations when, too, when like. Leaf peakers. Uh, but, but <laughs> peakers. I love that phrase. Um, when people start booking their summer vacations and we see March, you know, everything's mm-hmm. picking up big time in March. Well, mm-hmm. that would pretty much be around the same time for your winter destinations. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, look at that. We just solved Maybe the Maybe we figured it out. We just hypothesized and just, just if we say it with com- enough confidence, then it's a fact. So. That's right. Yeah, okay. You've heard it here first. So those are our PPC stats. I mean, I don't know what you want to take away out of the, the calendar things, but basically in spite of ad depth being increased, we also see click-through rate volume or click-through rate is up versus last year and CPC is, you know, not terrible from at least a mobile perspective. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's staying affordable. 
Well, if it's done right. Sure. You know, you can spend money and not make money, but. We try to not do that. <laughs> yeah. It's we're, frowned we're upon against by that. clients. Yeah. And just a heads up for our listeners, um, this is definitely nationwide data. We do have access to individual markets. If you'd like to see some of this data, contact us. We might be able to get that for you. Yeah, just shoot an email to info at fueltravel.com. We can certainly request from our Google reps info for your destination if you're interested in seeing it. And if you need help with your PPC, we can help with that too. So just shoot an email info at fueltravel.com. All right, so we, should we move on to Revenate? Let's move on to Revenate. And this is based on their 2019 hotel email marketing benchmark report, which we are linking to in the show notes if you would like to get it for yourself. So this is a download. You can go sign up, give them your email address, and they'll spam the crap out of you. Yes, that is correct. And you will also get retargeted on Facebook. Oh, you found that out? Uh, I did. (laughs) Nice. Yes. Awesome. Every day now. Sweet. (laughs) So why why bother email, Stuart? Why, Why should we even bother with it? Well, I would say because it's the number one direct response marketing initiative you can do. Oh. Personally, I would say. That's kind of lame. <laughs> You'd I'm say against it. You're against email? <laughs> I'm against it. Like kidding. the concept of email? Yeah. Or, or the results you can drive from email? Well, Revenate would say that it is the, har- the highest ROI of any other channel that you can market. As a matter of fact, it's four times higher than other marketing channels. I don't know about that, but it is certainly the highest. Keep in mind, Revenate is an email platform, so this is valuable for them. <laughs> Slight to, uh, agenda? Yes, to have a It's like the study a, that TripAdvisor commissions that says TripAdvisor reviews yeah. are the most reliable reviews. Exactly. Yeah. But, but they're absolutely right, though. I don't know about the 4x percent, but I do think that it is – if you do not have a strong email campaign, you're leaving money on the table. Oh, no question. You know, we always talk about – using the OTAs as a new business source. And then once you get that user into your ecosystem, make sure you have a repeat guest. Mm-hmm. And email is the best way that you can reach out to guests who have already stayed at your property. Yep. And if you can hijack them from going back into that decision cycle where they're looking at OTAs and get them right back to your property, you're saving yourself so much money. Yep. So how do we know that about the ROI? Because email is measurable. Everything about email is measurable. You can see all the things. You can see how many people it was delivered to, how many people opened it, how many people clicked it, how many people converted from it. It's 100% measurable. We like that. Yeah. At least at Fuel, we like that. And, I mean, it's fairly easy to get email addresses. I mean, we all hate them. Pop-ups work. Um, You know, you get confirmation emails. I. I don't know. I feel like it's not that not that expensive to to claim that email address. Do you when you go to a store like a, a brick and mortar store? You remember those before Amazon existed? Yes. People go shopping. Where? When you go into a shop and there's like a cash register and you're checking out. That's a cash register. What they, website is this at? <laughs> did have you been to them recently where they'll ask you for an email address? All to the check time. In? Every single. Yes. My wife gives them her email address every time, and every time I say no, thank you. Like, why do you? You I go, do. You get, why depends, would you? It depends where I'm shopping. Why would you do that? I just because feel I rude if I do. It has nothing to do with about being rude. I don't mind seeing. Maybe because I don't want to go back into your brick and mortar, and I want you to just send me the emails so I can shop on your website. I always just use Stuart's email. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But people will give you an email address willy nilly, especially if you offer some value. 
It's it's crazy. Like a pop-up, like you said, it it is effective at collecting emails. If you just put up a pop-up that says something as simple as, we'll send you money-saving offers, if you give us an email address, people will do that. Oh, gosh. A sweepstakes or anything that you Dude, have? stop. <sighs> Don't even get me started on sweepstakes. It works. It, it, another podcast discussion. All right, keep going, Melissa. All right. Uh, other reasons for email, It's you can personalize it. We're going to get into that a bit. But we wouldn't have an episode without the word millennial in it in 2019. So I'm saying the word millennial. <sighs> I, I was a little disappointed when I read this in their report. Sorry. How much focus. I feel like that's just, it, it's irrelevant, right? The, the fact is that we're, we're, and the point was that the more than 50% of consumers, travel consumers are millennials or younger now, right? That's irrelevant. It's, it's about the technology that people regardless of age are choosing to use and email is still the best form of communication people are more digitally savvy than they've ever been and email communication is really really effective. do you see this shifting to social though i mean i i, I don't know this for no. a fact it's just a guess but younger people do they use social platforms more than they do check email for sure but i don't think it's the place where you have this kind of conversation messenger maybe but still i think email is the de facto Today is still the de facto. Maybe it'll shift to a messenger type platform eventually. But I think, you know, what we, our approach is like, let's, let's be, I'm going to use your word, omni channel, um, Melissa, Womp. because people, different people want to communicate differently. So our email platform isn't an email platform, it's a communication platform, it's a data ac activation platform where you can communicate with email, with text messaging, with push notifications, with messenger. It, it, it depends on the individual's preference. So, yes, I think you're gonna, we're going to go in that direction because we are going in that direction. Or, yeah, I love when how would you prefer to be contacted. Yeah. When yeah. someone asks me that, choice. that's one of my favorite yeah. things. We, and the thing we do is we'll test it, right? So we'll send people messages on different platforms and see which ones they interact with more. And then we'll, through behavior, we'll update their profile to say, ah, oh, this person prefers SMS, this person prefers Messenger, this person prefers direct mail, whatever it is. And that's how we'll communicate. All right. So let's talk about segmentation for a minute, shall we? Yeah. We shall. So uh, Revenate has given us some stats based on their consumer data talking about emails that were segmented versus not segmented. So the open rate of emails sent to less than 5,000 recipients, so these are segmented recipients, was 24% versus 10% that was sent to greater than 50,000 recipients. We're going to talk about that metric in a minute. Just hold your horses on it before you chime in. I have a horse that I'm holding. Can I hold your horse? I don't no, have a horse. No, I'm not telling you about my horse until it's my turn. Okay. The click-through rate of these segmented messages was 3% versus 1%. And the conversion rate was 0.3 versus 0.07 segmented versus not segment so they gave this really cool uh sample math which is i like because i can't do math so they did it for me wait you're the head of our analytics I, and excel does math i don't have to <laughs> do i need to edit that out the uh, analytics director can't do math she can math she's just quicker on excel <laughs> <All right. laughs> So let's just say that you are a hotel and you send one email to your database of 50,000 people with the 0.07% conversion rate. 
that gives you about 3,500 reservations. Or take another hotel that instead sends 10 segmented emails to 5,000 people. Now, even I can math that. That's still 50,000 people. And that those emails have a 0.37% conversion rate. That equates to 18,500 reservations. Can I point out the flaw in that logic, though? You can. <clears throat> because you're assuming, right? We all understand that segmenting to the most qualified group of people is going to be more effective, right? Yes. And, and, and you're going to have a more targeted message. So say that segment is family travelers. So you have a subject line and photos and an offer that is surrounding family travel sure. because they traveled before with their kids or whatever it is, right? That's how you segment. You find out some information about them, then you leverage that information with the messaging and the offer. When you do that, it doesn't scale to everyone. Right? Because one, you don't know something about everyone. And two, the first segment you do, you're going to pick is going to be the most qualified segment. The second one is going to be slightly less qualified. The third one is going to be slightly less. So it's not like you can take a list of 50,000 people and create 10 segments of 5,000 that are equally qualified for whatever it is that they're uniquely interested in and then target them with messages that are going to yield that kind of result. I think it's fake this is fake math. I feel like this works better <coughs> when you're talking about A-B testing, email, subject lines, creative, whatever. Um, you figure out, you know, in the first few thousand sends. Right, real-time testing. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Real-time testing, ha yeah. I feel like, would achieve this yeah. type of result much better right. than segmentation does when, when right. they put it in this context. Yeah. Hey, hey I'm, I'm going to let my horse loose. Okay. <laughs> so we have a, a client who has a a pretty large database, about 150,000, and we would send that database a message at the same frequency multiple times per month, and we were getting probably somewhere in the the five percent click rate and about a maybe a one-ish percent open rate. It got very expensive to hit a database that big multiple times per month. So what we did is we did a very basic segmentation of have you opened a message recently? If they have opened a message re recently, then they got every message that we sent during that course of that month that was relevant to them. If they hadn't opened a message, we throttled them back to just one send per month. And the difference was they w their impression rate or click rate went from around 5% to around 21%. Because we're only hitting people who were truly interested. The click rate went from hovering at 1% up to 3, 3.5%. So I think that's where like even the most basic segmentation really works because you're hitting people who it, are interested at the time. But you're, you're also S saving uh, money. On you're also saving a lot of money. You are. But you... <clears throat> You're potentially losing money too, right? Because you you can't bank clicks and you can't bank opens. You can only bank cash. Right. So, so but you can track so what, clicks what, and it right, was not I understand a discernible that, difference. What does it do from a bottom line perspective in terms of how much revenue they, they it did, met, met at the end of the it day? It did not alter the revenue. So Because you're still sending them on a monthly basis. But you don't know that it didn't impact the revenue because you can't a b test in real time right. at the same time right you don't know that for sure true so I, I think the problem with this discussion and the problem with the argument that revenate lays out is is 
it's misleading, right? Do should people segment? Absolutely. But to, to do the type of math you're doing and Revenate did, I think is it, it it's painting a story that is inaccurate. To me, email is evolving away from even group messaging towards personalized triggered behavioral based messaging and getting completely away from it, this, this. I would mass say that's the email. evolution of segmenting. It is it's, what you're it's taking segmenting yeah. to the to the fullest conclusion right and that's what we're really trying to focus on here at fuel because it there's a risk in doing what you're doing right because just because i'm on your list and i haven't opened an email in six months because i wasn't in the buying cycle does not mean that i'm not going to come back into it in the future which is so why you, you potentially risk less frequent but maybe that's the wrong timing for me, right? So that's why you really need to get to the individual level, to this, a segment of one. Right. And I'm, 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 I'm referring to, in this case, was a specific, as a, their newsletter right. and their offers deal. So yeah. everyone's also, you know, in our case, because we're using a, a pretty advanced, the fuel AI-based mail system, they're also getting personalized messages for right. when their anniversary was, when, they're tra when they travel, all that kind of fun stuff, too. Right. But you are looking at the, the the bulk of the people who are on your list that you may not know a whole bunch about. Right. So that, your goal is to get more information about them and, and right. to track their behavior across all your channels, across your website, right. across your ad platforms, across social media, and make sure that you're targeting with messaging when they want messaging or when messaging to them is going to have the biggest impact. Yeah. That's that's the key. Yeah. Here's my thing. First of all, open rate is a bunch of garbage to me because okay you just cut out the people who haven't opened a message in a year so your open rate went up you still got the same number of opens that was one of my points as well for everyone the, listening she just did a two thumbs up there to emphasize that <laughs> yeah. point everybody could see that right yeah. but that said i still think that in terms of the way email works today versus a year ago two years ago or more the fact that you did send that email you did get a higher open rate sends a signal to google that says hey, this was a good email, people are engaged with it, and now it's less likely to get sent into somebody's spam folder. Valid point, folder. Yeah. very valid point. I agree with that. That's my thing. That's a good thing. Your thing is good. Thanks. Yep. All right, moving on to automated messages. So these are things like confirmation messages, pre-arrival, post-stay, booking modification type, Automation is what we're talking about here. So not surprisingly, Revenate is saying that the modification and confirmation emails had a 72% open rate and 26% click-through rate. Mm. Woohoo. Okay. You thought confirmation emails would be much higher than that. It should yeah. be 100%. Really, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I if don't, you see I don't, that it's I see in that your I got inbox, it. That's I all I care about. Yeah. I, I go and check and make sure I didn't put yeah, in the wrong dates. Exactly what I check. I go, did I pick the right dates? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish there was a stat for looked at the subject line in preheader because that's got to be 100%. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with you on that. Once we all have the contacts instead of our phones. Yes. So welcome emails had a 50% open rate and a 16% click-through rate. And our pre-arrival emails had a 61% open rate. That one surprised me is that Huge low. opportunity, though, mm -hmm. right? And even, I mean, you say it's low, right? But if you can say, I can I can improve the experience for 60, for two-thirds of my guests before they arrive by setting better expectations, eliminating friction in the check-in pro process or the parking process, 
by upselling them and having making sure that, that they have a, the best possible experience. I'm staying at a hotel next week in Charleston, and I got um, a, a pre-arrival email today saying upgrade. And it was a list, and I just clicked, and it said add any of these things to your stay. And it was like uh, straw, strawberries covered in chocolate or specific wine bottles. Now, they didn't do the particularly the best job in, because there was like 5,000 things I could mm. pick from, and it was overwhelming. But I bet they generate a ton of revenue from that, right? And well, we do the upgrades and rooms. Right, because right, I've already paid the $500 right. for the stay. What's another 20 40 50 bucks? They also did a, um, offered a late checkout for $70. You know? Wow. Just They're really expensive. It was $75. Wow. Kind of expensive. But guess what? Some people won't do that. Some people will do that. And that's new money that you wouldn't right. have had had you not. So pre-arrival messages are critical. We see them be really effective at getting driving downloads of our app you know if a hotel is using our app and they send a pre-arrival email and say hey you can cut the line by downloading the app and doing pre-check-in great i think the the bottom line is if you're not doing a welcome email and someone joins your list you're wrong and if you're not doing a pre-arrival message for guests you're or multiple pre absolutely wrong yeah yep. I mean, walk them through the process it's a relationship they, be you're they became your guest the moment they made their reservation mm -hmm. Work that the whole way through. 100%. My favorite one, though, is the OTA win-back message. And everybody should be doing this if they're not. 34% mm -hmm. open rate, 7% click-through rate, and Revenate is claiming a 0.59% conversion rate. Mm -hmm. That's pretty what accurate. Is it, I see is, that as well. What are they claiming OTA win-back message? What so, so someone that booked on an OTA, you send them an email to try to get them to book direct next time. Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, yeah you, get, you get to collect their, what you do is the person shows up at your property. You say, oh, I see you're phil at booking.com, which Wait, is obviously a temporary email address. But that's what I'm saying. I thought you, you weren't allowed to send those to the. You have 30, no, 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 you not have 30 days to send I to say, that. But hey, Phil, you ask what, for the real let me one. update your email address at the front desk. Yeah. You need to get that person's oh, information. Right. Oh, I, okay. Never mind. So what we, what we do for a lot of our clients is there. we get the email address. They get a message for checkout to one, review the property, which is incredibly mm -hmm. important. But two, did you know that next time if you book direct, you get this, 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 and this? I thought I thought you were talking about sending it to that 30-day You can email technically. Address. But the oh. problem is, is it can become a spam trap. You can send pre-arrival messages to that. You, I think you have 30 days after checkout to send to that. So you can send like mm -hmm. a post-day survey. But like Pete said, your job is to do everything you can to get their real email address. And the best place to do that is at check-in. If, you, if, if you're using an app or something, have them log in with an email address. You know, Give them something of value for it. But uh, yeah, you should get an email address. The thing about these kind of emails, and this goes back to what I was saying, whether it's a pre-arrival, whether it's this um, trying to reclaim the OTA bookings, it's about one-to-one -one personalized communication based on behavior, not on demographics. And that is exactly what kind of communication is most effective, is always going to be most effective. That's what you should be doing. And with the OTA one, it's free money. You set it up, as long as you've got a process internally of collecting the email address, it's free money. Like There's no downside to that. What, speaking of segmentation, if you have people in your database who have at OTA type email addresses, delete them. You should segment those people out. No, yeah. the delete doesn't tie into everything. I said segmentation. It's got to <laughs> segment them into your deleted group. Yes, there you go. There you go. But I will say caveat 
because I always have a caveat, right? While Melissa, we, caveat. Mo, while these are quote-unquote automated, you can't forget about them. You can't just set it and forget it. They need to be tested. They need to be automated. And especially your pre-arrival ones where you're trying to cross-sell and upsell, make sure that whatever you're doing in there is valid and relevant to that person. And, and for that matter, post-day, how do you get them to leave you a review, a positive review? I mean, these things need to be tested as well. Like you said, don't set it and forget it. A-B test these as, you know, as we would a regular. Yeah, you know, we, we've had clients that have assure us that their pre-arrival message is going out because they're using some third party and when we go and test it doesn't happen so you, you're right or it's garbage at least once a quarter you should be auditing mm -hmm. this stuff all right so next we're on to when's the best time to send an email isn't it I tuesday it. morning it might be Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. all right so just again coming from revenue this data is based on 32 million global I emphasize global reservations. So what's happening in your part of the world may not be what's happening in this part of the world. But according to Revenate, 30% of reservations were made zero to six days out. Zero to six days, 30%. What percentage? 30. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. So if you know when the person's planning on booking, I guess it's easy. Right. Imagine send that. It, send it zero to six days. Yeah, and in terms of day of week in the U.S. and Canada, Canada, Monday had the best conversion rate, but Fridays had the best open rate, <laughs> but with the next to last place for conversion rate. So, hmm. I'm so annoyed right now. Like these, this kind of average me metric is meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. So they take all of the things for all of the properties with all their nuances, all their yes. cultures, all their things and say the average is this. That means nothing for you and you cannot glean any information from it. Go test That is your, my takeaway. Go test your database. Yes. Test your individuals. And, and better yet, use a product like our email platform because it uses AI and rather than you sending everyone the message at the same time, it looks at the history of each individual and says, Phil prefers to open on Mondays at two o'clock and Melissa prefers to open on Mondays at five o'clock. So let's start communicating with them when they're more likely to engage with us. That's the way to do email. Again, it goes back to individual one-to-one -one communication. You can set up the same message, but don't just treat everyone as the same. They're not. I feel like they could have just made this data up because it, it doesn't sounds matter. right. Yeah, like, it yeah, doesn't Okay, matter. more people are just, you know, screwing around on Fridays and opening up Take that out of your report next year, Revenue. 6 p.m. doesn't Six, matter. Send your message at 6 p.m. Do it. That's the takeaway from this whole episode. Stop it. 6 p.m. Stop it. 6 p.m. for U.S. and Canada. What is it? 23% open rate, 0.42% conversion rate. That means nothing. Yeah. Just what Stuart was saying. Just does yep. not matter. Oh. All right. Moving from that silliness on to device type. This is the last bucket of stats. Shocking. Wait for it. 41% of emails opened on a phone. That's, That's actually low to me. This right. seems low to me. But the next most popular thing is 21% via webmail. And I'm wondering, can't webmail be opened on a phone? Yeah, I wonder if they're saying like mobile is like the default email app on Apple or right. whatever, you know, and webmail could, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 18% on desktop, 11% on tablet, and 10% other. I don't other. know what other is. Beeper. <laughs> Or I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe you have like a... Your a, Apple Watch. Yeah. Uh, or is that mobile? Do you still have... A, does anybody still have an iPod? Like you could still open... The, I, the iPod I, Touch? 
What? I don't know what other All right, is. People are opening emails on lots of devices, but a big chunk of them, the biggest chunk of them, in fact, is opening them on a mobile phone. Make sure your emails are responsive. Yes. My takeaway is, do we even need to talk about this? <laughs> but most people, right... To be fair, you're, most people that create emails and send emails are doing that from a desktop. And, and maybe they have a tool in there like ours does where you can see what it looks like on mobile and test it. And maybe you're using Litmus or something like that to go see what it looks out like on all of the browsers and webmails and clients and whatnot. But how about you actually go look at it? Look at it with your eyeballs and make sure. And that, touch that. it on your phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yes. not the same as using a mouse. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah, the buttons need to be big and fat for my big fat fingers, for sure. That's yeah. all we have. That's it. Yeah, so, I mean, nothing really surprising out of that, you know? That's why we didn't do a whole episode on it this year. We, we combined it with the Google one, but I think, I think keep doing mobile and get more personalized. Get more one-to-one -one communication. We're going to have to do a fuel mail one. Yeah, so I, I'm planning an episode coming up soon on all the triggered emails you should have set up. And, and a lot of it's kind of based on this. It's, it's about individual communication one-to-one. -one. And the point being, like, if you, can, if you can touch people with messages 20 times a year, but those messages are hyper-relevant based on behavior at the time, you're way better doing that than sending 20 email blasts to that person a year, you know, two a month. So... Way more effective. I'll look forward to that. Mm. Hey, so as we wrap up, Pete, you weren't in this conversation. Not not, not the one we just had. Uh. <laughs> but we had one in the office the other day. And we were talking about getting T-shirts printed. Okay? So I'm going to get one that says, Attribution Theft is Real. Because it is real. And there's people mm. out there. And you know who you are. There are big vendors in this space that are stealing attribution. You mean that they shouldn't be. Huh? View through attribution? Yeah, view through attribution or, or claiming anyone that's a direct booking because they happen to see your little pop-up that shows rate comparisons. They, that's attribute. Did I get too specific? Nah. nah. Right, attribution theft is real. Um, Mine is uh, extensions are your friend. Extensions are your friend is going to be his shirt. Melissa? Oh, I don't even know what mine was. Wasn't it always be always testing? Be testing. Oh, always be testing. Come Duh. on. It's terrible. And on the back it says... Or you'll burn my buttons. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, Pete, we're trying to figure out what yours was going to be. And I think I think we discovered... We, we came up with a good one. Yeah, I think it's going to be... Because all has are like things we say, but we figured yours should be something All right, more hang on a second. I'm going to type mine right here. Uh, are you guessing? No, I'm typing what I think I would have. And see if it's the same. So, for all the people listening at home they, that can't see you typing... Okay, not, no, I want, I want to go ahead and type it. So, when you ask okay. me... Or when you say what you think it is, I have my answer already. As, yours is going to be, I murder bees. That's a good one. And actually, <laughs> that, that does fit with mine. <clears throat> mine was, it's probably broken. Test your systems. <laughs> so th I, I was thinking, uh, it's probably broken on the front. Yeah. And on the back says, test your systems. And then because on the shoulder, it says, I murder, I murder bees. bees. And then I murder bees. Well, I broke my bees. Because so. <laughs> you didn't test them. Right, because I wasn't testing You enough. didn't test how much honey you could take well, out. It's, it's true, though, because just like I murder bees from a hotel marketing perspective, if you don't test those automated emails, yeah. a lot of times, and this is even true for, for us, stuff breaks. And mm -hmm. if you don't go back and iteratively retest 
what you've done, you don't know what's already been broken. So just keep testing. There's a lot of random things that happen. You're yeah. dealing with third parties. You're dealing with software updates. You're dealing with booking engine updates. Not everything always works together. And the only way you can ensure that is murdering bees. By killing bees. <laughs> I like him as sacrificing bees. Well, you're you going to get one for your wife. Yeah. Sacrifice to get something. You didn't get anything out of it. That's true. Pete, we were going to get one for your wife, too, with an arrow, and it says he murders bees. Okay. <laughs> I'm with bee yeah. murderer. Queen bee. Isn't that what yeah, you said? Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know. I, that I could get weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can find me on you. Twitter. <laughs> Are you trying to wrap us up? <laughs> At bee murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do it again or not? Are you just dumb? I don't know. I'm, it was fun, man, for us. No, and I have really enjoyed it, too. I'm thinking about kicking it back off probably next year. So mm. i got to figure out some stuff with some neighbors that are moving in and stuff like that of where we put stuff. All right, Pete. So if they want to send you their queen bee. They, they can send it to me on Twitter at PDMAO, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Princess Leia, Millis Kavanaugh, where can they find you? I am on Twitter at M-A Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Phil? You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And if you have any questions or you have ideas for topics for the show, you can email those to us at info at Fuel Travel or hit us up on Twitter, like I said, at Fuel Travel. So... Good episode, Melissa. Thank you for putting the notes together. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. It's all good.